You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Prenke are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie, welcome to the Rebellion. Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells Clone Wars Special Edition for the episode Layer of Grievous. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Hey, what's happening, Mike? Star Wars fans. Ah, oh, just back from vacation, Mike. Feeling pretty nice. good. A little, uh, a little surf, a little sand. Uh, lots of eating out, but uh, it's back to the grind. Back to the grind. But it's a fun grind today with some Clone Wars and some... Uh, Layer of Grievous, looking forward to it. But, yeah, uh, yeah, good yeah. episode, lots of fun. Yeah, sure. um, let's, uh, but let's jump into some quick news. We had a couple yeah. of things. So uh, E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, is going on in Los Angeles right now, and uh, as a result, EA uh, they had their uh, press conference, media showcase, whatever you want to call it. Um, I guess that was on Saturday or Sunday. And uh, and they talked about some Star Wars stuff, obviously, because they make all the Star Wars games. Um, and uh, the the two big things to come out of that uh, is first, uh, Battlefront Two is going to get a serious drop of Clone Wars content in the form of uh, General Grievous, Count Dooku, Anakin Skywalker, and Obi Wan Kenobi as uh, playable hero characters. Uh, in the game, so finally, uh, uh, almost a year after its release, uh, Obi Wan is coming to the game. Can you believe that they launched without some of these characters? Get out, I know, of, my, that's crazy. Get out of my face with Obi-Wan this. Anakin. Yeah, I, yeah. uh, uh, I don't, I haven't personally seen any like screenshots of the character models or anything like that, so I don't know what they look like. I don't know if they've shown that, but um, I'm really hoping that since this is a Clone Wars specific drop, that they give them the animated versions um mm-hmm. the, the 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 or that like me i don't know if because i guess that there's alternate costumes for some some of the characters if we can get an alternate version of obi-wan and anakin in their in their clone wars season one year that would be pretty cool I think that would be that would be really neat for them to do. Yeah. Um, one other part is that there will, uh, G- the planet Geonosis will be added to the game as well. Yeah. Um, and then Which hasn't been around for a long time. I guess, no. Yeah. 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 
And then the other piece of news coming out of the EA press conference was uh, the uh, reveal of the name of uh, of the the Star Wars game. Oh, I can't remember the studio that's working on it. But um, it's a uh, I don't know if it's single player. We don't really even know what it is, but this game is called Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, um, and we weren't really given a lot of details other than that. It takes place between episodes three and four. Um, it'll center around um, the the continuing efforts of the Purge, uh, the Jedi Purge. So um, the the you'll play as a Jedi, presumably. Um, is this the games you're thinking of? I I don't think that this is the I think that it was actually handed over to um a different studio cuz I think that the Visceral game was canceled. I know that Amy Hennig was heading up that game and I uh, and and she left because they basically what well, it it Oh, Respawn. Isn't it Respawn? Respawn, yeah, Respawn is the one yeah. doing the game now. Um okay. Yeah, and I like basically they had a single player story focused game, um, third person action adventure sort of thing, and uh, and and I guess that EA decided that those games don't make very much money, so what they would rather have is, um, it sounds like, and we didn't really get any details, but it sounds like what they want to shift towards is like an online. Um, um, persistent sort of experience, a very uh, Destiny or uh, uh, Halo multiplayer type mm-hmm. of thing um, where your characters are running around in a shared world sort of sort of game. Um, yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing. EA, for me personally, they just haven't delivered. They no, haven't. I, a lot of people have the same thought. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Like, yeah. I I think back to the uh, the the golden and silver ages of LucasArts, and you think about the golden age of LucasArts when they're making the Monkey Island games and the X-wing and Tie Fighter games and uh, 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 Indiana Jones: The Fate of Atlantis, uh, and then and then in the, so that's what I would refer to as their golden age. That's when like they were pushing boundaries and doing stuff that nobody else was doing and really earning that Lucas moniker. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you look at at the modern era of games that I think started around the time of the first battlefront. Um, And then, you know, like, like, uh, or I would even go back as far as rogue squadron um, and say like with rogue squadron and, and uh, rogue leader. And then, well, those were technically factor five, but, but produced by LucasArts and then moving into like battlefronts and stuff like that. Um, and into the Force Unleashed, both of those games, like LucasArts was doing crazy awesome stuff, and then uh, shutting down LucasArts and moving everything over to EA. I understand why, but still, I just it it. I don't know. I really miss those days because there were some really fun, really great Star Wars games. Even the kind of crummier games, like there was a Star Wars Clone Wars video game. Um, and this is like, we're talking about between, like it was released between episode two and three and around 2005 and, um, 2004, 2005, it, it didn't follow the storyline of, 
um, the anything. Obviously, the Clone Wars television series hadn't even been conceived of yet. Um, and, uh, the, the Kenny Tartakovsky series was sort of in production at the same time, but this game, like it was not the greatest game, but it was fine. Still Mm -hmm. fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so even their stuff that wasn't the greatest was still a lot of fun to play. Uh, and now you look at it and it's like, well, EA hasn't really delivered on what they promised, you know, like none of these games have come out. It's basically been battlefront one and battlefront two. And then a bunch of garbage mobile games that are just microtransaction chipping away. It's like, oh, here's a free Star Wars game that you can play for 15 minutes before we're going to ask you for $40 for something that's not even really a game. You're just tapping and, Mm. uh, you know, it's not, there's not even really anything going on there. Um, Yeah. And like you invest a bunch of money in it and then we're just going to shut down the server because, you know, nobody else is paying for it. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like to, for me, I I just I really miss that era of mm-hmm. of LucasArts. So I it's the one place where I think I can relate to some of these fans who were Legends fans and 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 really miss that era of storytelling. It's like oh, well, I'm a I'm more of a gamer than I am a reader, and for me, it's like okay, I get it. I I see, I see where you might be coming from. You know, I mean, like I, I think that the books nowadays are just as good, if not a little bit better, than they were back then. But, um, that's just my opinion. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it, well, like you talked about Ian, and I, and I think you're right. I mean, they've been um, the last two Battlefronts have been, uh, I guess, okay, maybe good at best, and people have voiced their concerns and and problems with them, and with these new patches and updates you know they're yeah. trying to add more stuff to get us to play um these new characters you got uh i guess battle i guess they're also doing a new game mode um apparently i think later on this year they're doing a larger scale mode um yeah. where players have control of the map or something like that so they're trying to do some things and i, I guess i can appreciate that and adding this these other characters that we haven't seen before which is kind of cool but i think maybe i'm more interested in what this respawn is doing um, the guys behind Titanfall, which is a fairly successful yep. game series, and uh, what they're doing with it. I guess this, this this game is supposed to be in between three and four, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah. Um, again, you know, who knows who's going to be in it? It's something about you're like a pot on, uh, so you're obviously going to be you have a lightsaber and do some things. Um, but other than that, there's really not much else that they. Uh, they announced so but we'll see you know i mean like i said with this respawn maybe this is another this is a company to come in and, and breathe some life into the star wars gaming world because we definitely need that i think uh although battlefront is fun I, I had a great time with the uh with the campaign i don't play the online stuff much mm-hmm. if at all but I, I got it just because i wanted to play the campaign and to get the story because i like the story as well in that game um but yeah we'll see what happens with respawn see what they do see if they can come out and dazzle us with some uh with some game stuff coming in later in uh, tw- i guess it's 2019 it's coming right is that what they said i i i don't i think so i, I think that they said like yeah. like uh, winter next year yeah, uh, yeah so we got some we got a lot of time 
So, um, yeah, I guess that's all as far as Star Wars gaming and e, uh, Battlefront or uh, E3, right? Nothing else came out? Yeah, no, that's basically it. Uh, the only other thing to talk about is just really quickly mention um, that uh, Jim Rash, uh, one of the uh, actors that will be playing a character in Star Wars Resistance, talked really briefly about his character um, I, giving the character a name. <laughs> so we know this character is named Flex. And mm-hmm. uh, and and he, along with uh, Bobby Moynihan's character, will uh, uh, essentially like run the like sort of the equipment. Uh, uh, the resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Like like yeah. Uh, the equipment checkout, like where you like like. I'm, I'm trying to think of the word for it, and I can't think of it. Um, like the quartermaster sort of thing. Um, right. Yeah, so I don't know. I I I'm sure that we're probably pretty close to getting some news yeah, yeah, on so. Star Wars Resistance. It is coming right, this yeah. fall. Um, yeah. So we have nothing. Yet. No. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, just like you said, just this little blurb about yeah. who they're playing. It looks like maybe him and um, Bobby Moynihan's character might be, you know, connected together in the shop or whatever it is. So yeah. I'm sure some hilarity will ensue between these two. Guaranteed. Uh, yeah, definitely. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. We haven't we haven't seen anything or heard anything yet. I'm like, wait, everybody's kind of waiting. Like, man, it's got to be, and maybe it's maybe we're waiting for, um, uh, was it Comic Con? Maybe. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, is, would they do something like this at Comic Con? I mean, I don't know what else they're going to be able to do as far as Star Wars at Comic Con. Uh, yeah, because not uh, there's you know? nothing. It's really interesting because Comic Con has nothing. Uh, Disney doesn't have anything planned for Marvel Studios. Yeah. Even Marvel, uh, right? Yeah, yeah and there's nothing, uh, as far as we know, for Star Wars either. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of weird how Disney's kind of dark at the moment. That's one of the things that I find really interesting is that people talk about, um, you know, uh, Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy, and clearly Disney has no, no. Um, no faith in Kathleen Kennedy's ability to to lead Lucasfilm anymore because they're not even talking about any of their stuff. And then you flip over to Marvel, which is you know these are the movies that make the most money. They're they're like the most money in history. Mm-hmm. And Disney is not talking about those either, right? right. And like that's the yeah. thing that they have the most faith in. So I don't know. I just there's a bit of a false equivalency there where it's like, uh, well they're not going to be at Comic Con. <laughs> For for Marvel, yeah. so like, what are you saying? Are you saying that you know after they made the the two highest grossing movies of the year, that uh, they they they're ashamed to talk about Marvel Studios? It's like I don't think they're ashamed to talk about Star Wars any more than that. Yeah. I I'm confused by Disney's marketing plan, um, and I think that that the result of Solo's box office is evidence that they're they're not necessarily making the smartest choices mm-hmm. but this is nothing new for disney that's the other thing is that like a movie like john carter i uh, was just totally destroyed by the marketing oh, okay. um yeah. should have been a bigger success than it was should have sequels should have a lot of things and yet you know disney kind of whiffed the ball on that one and and you know they did the same thing with solo and they've done it in the past with some of the marvel some of the marvel movies and i don't know i just think that that's disney like they just they just they do yeah. this a lot 
with their properties. But um, but we got to be hearing something about Star Wars Resistance soon. I I have to imagine. But yeah, uh, hopefully. but yeah, I guess we'll just sort of wait and see, right? Yeah, you know, what? maybe they'll do something on which the Star Wars show has broken a lot of stories as well. So you yeah, know. Um, nothing today, as far as I know, obviously. So. No, not nothing but, today. Today's was yeah. pretty. I uh, I mean, they were very focused on E three. Um, yeah, and that was basically it. Right. Well, that's gonna do it, I guess, huh? Yeah, that, yeah, that's it for the news. There's really not that much else to talk about. We're in kind of a bit of a slow period. Uh, Solo continues to plug away at the box office, not really making a lot of money, but also not going away anytime soon, I don't think. But no, no, yeah, it's all good, good times. Well, let's get into uh, the episode, huh? Yeah, let's do it. All right. It's time. For the Rebel Cells Clone Wars Special Edition recap. Is it civilized? Uh, that depends on your definition of civilized. I'm enjoying this far too much. All right, the Lair Rivas is directed by Atsushi Tokechi, and uh, Henry Gilroy is the writer. Uh, the fortune cookie most powerful is he who controls his own power. Uh, we start off Jedi Master Kit Fisto sits in his Delta 7B starfighter in orbit around the fog shrouded third moon of Vasic. He prompts his astromech droid R6H5 to inform the Outer Rim Command Center that he has traced the beacon of the stolen Republic frigate. Kit Fisto learns that his old Padawan. Nadar Veb has also honed in on the tracking signal and has already reached the moon's surface. After landing, Fisto tells R6 he'll be fine without him. He then spots a Republic attack shuttle parked nearby with Mon Calamari Jedi Nadar Veb, who is talking with his clone troops. Clone Commander Phil has pinpointed the Republic tracking signal to the south end of the gorge, and the Republic team leaves to investigate. So we, uh, Lara Grievous here, we kind of piggyback again off the la- uh, last episode where, uh, you know, we saw Asajj with the help of Argus before she yep. stabs him in the back, uh, <laughs> escapes with Gunray. But Kit, Kit Fisto, he's back. He's on the case now. He's tracked the stolen ship and uh, hopes to recapture Gunray. And uh, it's cool here because Kit Fisto is reunited with his old Padawan, Nadar Veb, who is not... We find out he's not a Padawan anymore, Mike. He's uh, recently passed the trials. Yep. And uh, kind of like his first little foray into uh, into the world of Jedi Knightdom, you know, his first, I guess, maybe official task as a Jedi Knight is helping uh, helping Kit Fisto here. And it just it was cool to see a Mon Kamala, the first time we've seen a, uh, a Mon Kamala Jedi. And he uses the Force in kind of a... A different way. It looks like he has like a little bit of power over, um, I guess, weather or whatever. He was for some, you know, they had a point of showing him use the force to kind of move the fog away. Uh, I thought that was an interesting use of, of the force. I hadn't really seen that before. But uh, Kid Fisto Mike is back. He's got Nadar Veb. Um, pretty cool uh, seeing these two again, right? Yeah, it's a, this is the first appearance of Kit Fisto in the series, and uh, this is one of my favorite characters from this era. 
Um, mm. and, uh, and, and Phil Lamar voices, uh, oh, Kit yeah. Fisto and does a fantastic job. Um, sure. and, uh, really brings that character to life. Um, and this episode is just a really great, um, adventure. It's not really, it's connected to other stuff, but mm. I don't know. It's not, it's not too complicated. It's kind of, kind of straightforward and easy to follow. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I really enjoy this episode. Well, they, they, they focus on when you say um, its own adventure, it's kind of like last episode is like, hey, you know, um, Luminari and Ahsoka kind of had a turn and then they escape and then they're in an area where, hey, Kit and, and Nadar, like it's kind of in your area, you take over. It's kind of like they're passing off the uh, looking after Grievous and everybody's taking their shots, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, okay, here's here's your shot, Kit, take, uh, take a shot at it. It's, it's uh you definitely, I mean, Kit Fisto, fabulous in this episode. Um, kind of makes up for, I guess we'll get we'll get to it in a little bit, but kind of makes up for what happens to him in episode three. But um, yeah, Phil Lamar crushing it, Kit Fisto, um, great, yeah. great uh, voice actor. So uh, go ahead, Mike. Continue. Yeah, the troops are ready to break out thermal detonators to blast their way through, and Veb is ready to hack his way into the doors using his lightsaber. But Fisto takes a closer look at the paneling of the door and spots a trigger switch, which opens it. They approach the only lit chamber in the maze of dark passageways. Newt Gunray's unmistakable voice can be heard barking out orders to stay on guard and be ready for anything. A high-backed chair faces away from them, and five battle droids attentively listen to the Viceroy's commands. Kind of cool scene. They enter the lair here real quick and um, are met with a small group of these battle droids and... Uh, just the lair itself, I thought it was kind of a, mm-hmm. a cool way to show, you know, creepy. It's kind of dark. It's got these weird passages and just like a, a creepy vibe um, to this, to the, to his like, to his quote unquote lair. So I thought that was really well done. Totally. Uh, the Jedi enter, uh, sorry, the Jedi enter and ignite their blades. The battle droids open fire, but are quickly cut down. Nadar especially slashes apart droids with zeal, force pushing their already segmented fragments. Uh, Kit reminds Veb not to abuse his force powers in battle. The Jedi spin the chair around only to find that Gunray isn't there. Instead, they stare at a hologram of the slippery Nemodian. The Republic tracking beacon rests on the chair. The Separatists clearly knew they were being followed. So uh, I, did, I, I love what they did with Nadar here. It's like he goes in and he starts going crazy, cool, showing off like, hey, check, out, check, me, check me out, Kit. You know, look what I learned. Look what I know. You know, I did the trials and he's super confident in himself. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and he shows like little restraint, very little restraint according to, according to Kit, you know, Hey, you, you got to show some straight. And he goes, I got carried away. And, uh, it's just like, that's kind of what I probably these Jedi masters have to deal with, you know, especially with someone like Anakin and all that, who, who are Jedi Knights and they just want to, it's almost like Nadar wants to prove himself. And in front of Kit, too, especially somebody that uh, was his master for so for so long. Like, hey, I want to show uh, what I've learned and I've passed the trials and everything. So he gets a little gung-ho um, and mm-hmm. it's going to turn out to bite him. But I thought that was kind of a cool way to introduce him, especially after being a Jedi Knight. He's showing yeah. like his his zest and his zeal, like it says here. Like he's just he wants to do so much, you know, he wants to just beat Grievous and, and finish it. So, yeah. Uh, Anything, anything as far as uh, Nadar here, Mike? No, yeah, I, I think this is the beginning of um, of, a, of a bit of a through line throughout the Clone Wars that 
that the mm. Jedi are kind of losing themselves in the midst yeah. of this war, right? Something that never really yeah. came through in the movies, but I think is actually really important to the story. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, it, this is, this is one of the best examples of that, that thread throughout the clone wars. Right. Um, go ahead, Mike. You want to continue? Yeah. Uh, another chamber slowly creaks open, revealing a dark corridor that leads to more creepy rooms filled with statues of a glorious alien warrior. The last chamber opens to suspended armor belonging to General Grievous. The Jedi have unwittingly penetrated the Separatist warlord's lair. In space, General Grievous's starfighter soars toward the Vasic moon. Count Dooku's hologram appears before the general and voices concern that Grievous has lost his focus. Lord Sidious demands results. Grievous is insulted and angry. He can only do so much with the incompetent battle droids under his command. So there's another really cool thread here, which is that um, Mm -hmm. uh, Dooku and Grievous, this is the interesting thing about the dark side is that um, nobody ever seems to be able to work together as a team, right? There's Mm -hmm. always this conflict even within their own, their own crew. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and Grievous is uh, sort of under fire from from Dooku for not delivering the goods. You know, he's he's already in this series had several defeats, and uh, and and it's not going unnoticed. So I just right. I think that's yeah. it. I I always really enjoy that. This is kind of the place where it turns, where all of a sudden it's like, yeah. oh wait, he he's not winning. There has to be consequences. So. Dooku's kind of that's as we learn later, Dooku's almost like setting a trap for him. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. I I, I kind of wrote down the same thing. I I thought I was like, wait a minute, you know, Dooku is basically calling Grievous out, like, hey, you know, <laughs> so far you haven't really shown us much. Uh, a lot of running away and 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 failing at what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And Sidious, he even mentioned Sidious, like you said, Mike, he's like, you know, Sidious is not too happy either. And it's time for you to show us. And, and he sets up this kind of trap, um, not only for the Jedi, but for, for Grievous as well, kind of a test for him. Like, hey, it's time for you to show us what you got. If you can't, uh, you know, yeah. we're going we're gonna to take care of you. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and then, of course, uh, finding out that, that he said earlier it was a trap, you know, um, uh, Gunray's not even there. It's just a hologram just to, to entice the Jedi to come over there. So yeah. uh, General Grievous marches through the hallways of his lair, calling for his guards and his pet, Gore. He is confused by the silence. Suddenly, the Jedi and their clones spring from the shadows and surround Grievous. Kit Fisto demands that Grievous surrender. The clones fire their ascension cables at the at the General, latching onto his legs. They pull with all their might, cutting, Grievous mo- cutting Grievous's mobility. Kit slashes later- laterally across Grievous's limbs, hacking off the general's legs below the cables. His body, uh, upper body topples to the floor as his legs fall to the side. away, clambering on all four arms like a twisted spider. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, Kit, Nadar, and the clones are fighting with yeah. Grievous. And again, I have to go back to this. Is, this is where this series really impresses me. Um... And the detail of the animation, uh, it's just 
it's just on another level. And, and especially scenes like this with Grievous, especially with Grievous, I'm sure he's really a, a challenge to animate. But like I said, it's just on another level. It's like, it's just, it's so close to like almost CGI and stuff you'd see in movies. Uh, and again, I just have to go back to that. Just, I'm so impressed with what they're doing. Uh, this, I mean, th- this was way back in the beginning. And like we talked about, it just gets better and better. So uh, I just wanted to mention that. Just I'm so impressed with what they were able to do early on. It's just so lifelike and it's almost like you're watching a movie. It's fantastic. And, and a cool fight here between yeah. Kid Fisto, you know, and, and here's Grievous. And he's kind of does what he does. You could cut him in half, but he's able to get away. And, and you know, also, we didn't mention, Mike, the um, the point where it kind of goes through his lair and you see some of the old, I guess they're old falling, maybe warriors, maybe com- uh, comrades of his or something like that. Did you notice that? Like all the statues and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, if I remember right, and I think there might have been like a comic or something as well um, that ties into this idea. But those statues, if you look at them, they're actually General Grievous himself um, through Mm. sort of through the years um, as he develops into the warrior that becomes Grievous that that uh, that Dooku later recruits and turns into this half man, half machine, half alien, half machine, I should say. But um, yeah, if, if I'm remembering right, that's. Okay. That's the way that goes, and I think that there's a certain element in the in the um, uh, concept art for uh, the art of uh, episode three book. There's some stuff that talks about that as well. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 No, I was just, it was really cool to see that. It was a quick thing, and and uh, I just like I couldn't tell, you know, if those were his like warriors of hers or of his or something like that. But it was sure, actually yeah, yeah. just, okay. Gotcha. All right. Um, go ahead, Mike. You want to continue? Yeah. Uh, Veb is furious. He complains that he had grievous, but the clones got in the way. Kit Fisto doesn't like what he sees in his former apprentice and advises that they take care of their wounded. Grievous escapes to a secret control room where his doctor, a four D complains about Grievous's injuries while fetching the general's spare parts. Grievous appears as a hologram in the corridor where Kit, Veb, and the clones stand. He taunts the uninvited guests before triggering another trap. The floor drops from underneath their feet. The Jedi avoid the pitfall, but two clones plummet below. And uh, there's a, a section where Grievous's bodyguards, uh, he mentions, you know, they're remotely, they were remotely deactivated. And it's a little, yeah. another clue there that this is another test. Uh, that Grievous is going through and kind of setting him up to make sure he has to engage these Jedi um, and and see what he's worth. Uh, Grievous springs his next trap, releasing the ravenous pet uh, Rogwart Gore. The monstrous capture or creature capture. The monstrous creature enters the corridors. The Jedi and Commander Phil try to stand their ground. Nadar lops off Gore's tail while Kit Fisto, who has retrieved his weapon, cuts off the creature's arms. In agony, Gore collapses to the ground and Kit puts the dim, uh, dim-witted beast out of its misery by driving his lightsaber into its neck. Nadar and Fisto chase Grievous to his control room. The young Mon Kamalari impulsively charges Grievous. The door to the control room slams shut, separating Fisto and his former apprentice. With two light, uh, lightsabers, Grievous pins Nadar's blade and then uses one of his extra arms to pull out a blaster pistol. 
which he uh, with which he shoots Nadar twice in the abdomen, killing the Mon Calamari. So, uh, Mikey, first of all, he goes after this beast uh, again. Shows some pretty good uh, skills uh, with him and Kisto on the beast. But after they after they beat the beast, um, they have this quick little talk, and um, Nadar looks. Nadar is looking for revenge, right? For some type of payback. He even says that. Uh, I think Kit says that. You know, hey, he warns of him that his desire for revenge, uh, it's just not the Jedi way, right? And 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 we talked about this earlier, is he just wants to show how how good of a Jedi he is, right? But he has this mm-hmm. revenge thing. Like he he, you know, it's almost like Dak in, in the Empire Strikes Back. You know, I want to take on the Empire by myself, you know, and and uh, he's just he wants to do that. So um, it's kind of easy to see how he can fall into this and, and almost kind of like Anakin did in Attack of the Clones. Right. He goes after Dooku without yeah. listening to to Anakin or uh, to Obi-Wan. So uh, and then he ends up face to face with Grievous, who is pretty adept, um, especially when you have four arms. And, uh, you know, it's just Nadar as a Jedi Knight, a new Jedi Knight. He's just not able to. Uh, to, to stand up to someone like Grievous at this point. So, uh, any thoughts, Mike, on this fight and uh, Nadar and his death? No, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, no, you nailed it. That's uh, that's exactly sort of why I the 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 through line that I got here. This is very much a foil for Obi Wan and Anakin, um, mm, and right. the the path that the Jedi are going down. That that uh, these yeah. these young Jedi are. They're they're misguided and they're they they've sort of they've become arrogant and um and uh, very warlike, um, quick mm-hmm. to quick to attack. Which, as Yoda says in Empire, it's a, a Jedi never uses the Force for attack, yeah. only only for defense, right? Yeah, and definitely overconfident too. Yeah, yeah, and that's ahead, and this this generation, uh, uh, Nadar, Anakin, Ahsoka, uh, Quinlan Voss, they are very different, and that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they're not heroes, but they are definitely, they're definitely tending more towards the dark side, even if they aren't themselves dark siders necessarily, or if they sort of skirt that that idea you know like quinlan boss is a great example of that it's a character who um he is obviously a hero but he comes very close to not being a hero at times um and yeah i think that this is this is definitely part of that whole thing and and it doesn't work out so well for nodar yeah no (laughs) yeah right in the abdomen you know it's that old he blocks him and then Oh, there's the gun, you know, yeah. it's like, ah, you gotta, you gotta remember there's, there's four arms there and you never know what those other couple arms were doing. Uh, so I guess, um, you want to finish it out? Mike? Yeah, sure. Uh, right. Fisto watches the fall of his apprentice, but has little time to mourn. R6 reaches kit on his comm link. Fisto tells the little droid to meet him on the South landing platform. Grievous cuts through the control room's workstation and flees. On the fog-shrouded landing platform, Fisto arrives and calls for his droid to pilot the starfighter in. Grievous emerges at the lip of the platform, climbing to the surface to confront Kit. Grievous extends all four arms and spins a quartet of lightsabers into deadly fan blades of energy. Fisto is outnumbered by bodyguards, 
But just then, R6 arrives in the Jedi Starfighter. Kit leaps aboard the fighter as it flies away. And then uh, one piece that it doesn't really doesn't really get into in this in this recap is uh, sort of Kit Fisto's report back mm-hmm. to Obi Wan yeah. and and Yoda. And talk about a lot of the stuff that we've talked about already in this episode. The idea that you know uh, Nadar was a good Jedi, but uh, he was a little bit too arrogant and he was a little bit too quick to anger. And um, exactly. And and the idea that that the Jedi are becoming exactly what they're trying to protect the galaxy from. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I I always it always brings me back to that that moment in I uh, in the Phantom Menace where Qui-Gon says we're, is it? Uh, So Qui-Gon in in the Phantom Menace is like, we can protect you, but we can't fight a war for you. And then Mm -hmm. in Attack of the Clones, I, I, Mace Windu echoes that sentiment, sentiment and, and mentions, he says the line, we're peacekeepers, not soldiers. Right. Um, right. but that's what they're becoming. They've become generals. They've taken this role in the grand army of the Republic in a formal, uh, you know, structure, uh, adhering to the, the commands of, uh, the Supreme chancellor in this, in this instance, Palpatine. And they've kind of, they're kind of giving right into, um, exactly the wrong aspects of their duties, um, and, mm-hmm. and, and I think that the most interesting thing is that is, is the arrogance of it that only the Jedi can lead the clones to victory. Um, and, and it's a, like, this is a war that continues in a way and they, they wage it and it, it's, um, it tears the Republic apart, which is exactly what. Mm-hmm. Palpatine wanted. I mean, he's controlling both oh, sides. Yeah. So when the war right. ends, he wins either way, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I've always yeah. just thought that it was so interesting that that like that exactly what I'm talking about. This idea that they're becoming what they feared the most, and they're they're doing the opposite of what they should do. When we get to the episode of trespass in a couple weeks, we'll talk more about this because that's an episode where. Anakin and Obi-Wan perform their duty as Jedi in exactly the way that they should. And when you look at the timeline, um, it actually, it, it, it comes very early in the timeline because it comes before um, Ahsoka becomes his apprentice. So it's technically before the movie. So it's very Mm -hmm. early into the war and you can see that they haven't quite lost their sense of self yet. They haven't become, I, you know, I, uh, the hero of the Republic and the, and the negotiator quite yet. Right. They're not, they aren't these mythic legendary characters. And I'm going to tie this all back in to the last Jedi and to Luke Skywalker's character. And I think that there's a really interesting aspect here where Luke, uh, he rejects the, this idea outright that he is a warrior that can save the galaxy, you know, walk out uh, face down the whole first order with a laser sword, that sort of idea. Anakin and Obi-Wan and throughout the clone wars, we see this, they embrace that, right? Especially Anakin, Anakin uh, revels in his infamy 
uh, on the battlefield. And that is exactly the opposite of how a Jedi should conduct themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think it, it, it is, it's such a, it's such a beautiful, um, mirroring and uh, it's that that reflection right uh of the stories that have come and will come um and and how they're informed by this stuff and and when i look at luke in the last jedi uh, obviously you know i like so many other people wanted to see him bust out the green lightsaber and uh and and (laughs) fight the good fight but then when you hear him talk and i the moment that that movie wins me over a hundred percent where I'm like, okay, I was already in it's star Wars. You guys know I'm down for it. But the moment when that movie wins me over entirely, and I forgive any other failings that it has in light of this moment is when Luke recounts all of the follies of the Jedi. And for the first time in the Canon in the film Canon, we actually get that that insight that you know like it was a jedi who trained darth vader uh who's responsible for the the destruction of the jedi and and it was the jedi themselves that allowed darth sidious to grow in power and take over the galaxy and cause so much anguish and pain and and uh, despair for decades that it was the jedi playing into their own hubris exactly as palpatine had foreseen that Mm -hmm. they allowed this to happen now that doesn't mean that luke's actions in the last jedi are right Um, i think that he is also wrong um, and and I think Yoda does a very good job of pointing that out that that you know they are meant to be peacekeepers and staying out of the fight is no way to keep the peace. Um, mm-hmm. But that movie just like it 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 so perfectly encapsulates it. The thing that I love about it is that it shows that Ryan Johnson, as a Star Wars fan, he's like us, where it's like, okay, are the prequels perfect? No. Do they contain a really great story somewhere in there? A hundred percent, hundred and ten percent, hundred and fifty percent. The story of the Clone Wars and the story of Anakin Skywalker are stories in the Star Wars universe worth telling, and um, and he legitimizes it there, and 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 it's one of those things where you can tell, you know, I don't know that JJ watched the Clone Wars. Right. Like, I, I I just I don't get the sense that he did. Probably not. But I'll bet you that Ryan Johnson did. I'll bet you that he watched it and he may have even been watching it, you know, like maybe not when it aired like we do because he's a busy guy making movies. But like I I would imagine that it's possible that he was watching them before he got the job that he had like that. He knew these stories and. And uh, and was interested in what Lucasfilm was doing with animation because so much of the storytelling, just like John Kasdan, right? I mean, like so much of the storytelling in Solo oh, yeah. is yeah. Uh, is informed by Dave Filoni's storytelling, and and I just love 
I, I posted that video on my Facebook page, and I uh, and and, yeah, and, and Tim yeah. Tim posted on the Star Wars: The Saga Continues Facebook page. So if you want to go find it, if you don't follow me, you can go check out Star Wars: The Saga Continues, and uh, uh, Tim's posted it there. This great video that sort of mashes up all eight of the movies so far of the of the saga films. Actually, I shouldn't even say that. It also brings in. Um, elements of rogue one uh there's a couple of moments mm-hmm. from rogue one as well with darth vader mm-hmm. um and i imagine that you know uh, uh with with uh, uh solo there's some stuff in there that you could even drop in to this video but it sort of matches everything up and it really encapsulates the journey of luke skywalker uh and it's sort of all the first half of it is all paced to yoda saying why he won't train Luke, right? The reasons not to. And sort of like intercutting it with Anakin from uh, from The Phantom Menace and from uh, Attack of the Clones and, and Revenge of the Sith. Sort of showing that like Yoda had learned this lesson and was so afraid to, uh, to teach Luke. Um, and then, you know, Luke, it, sort of the first half ending with Luke saying, you know, like, oh, I'm not... I, I won't fail you. I'm not afraid. And then the, one of my favorite lines in all of Star Wars, when Yoda just leans in and he's like, oh, you will be. <laughs> you will be. Um, yeah. Which, in previous context, you kind of take that and you go like, okay, he'll, he'll be afraid in the cave. And he'll be afraid when he confronts Vader and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like when he's confronting the dark side that he'll know fear. Um but then in the context of knowing what we know about the last Jedi, it just completely changes what Yoda says there where he's like, Oh, like, no, you're going to know incredible pain, right? Like, and, and you know, uh, the, the path of a Jedi isn't an easy path. And if you, mm-hmm. if you start down this path, I mean, like what he says, the a Jedi must have the most, uh, 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 a, a serious mind and the most serious commitment and yeah. that sort of thing and deepest, and commitment, deepest yeah. commitment yeah and most serious mind that I the reason why he's saying that is because like as a Jedi you're gonna I don't know there's a I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little bit scriptural I've done this a couple of times recently it's funny but when we talk about the Jedi go I always go into these things there's uh, in in Christianity I uh, in 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 the gospels in particular, there's this idea of the narrow path. The more that, you know, the, the mm-hmm. more narrow the path becomes and the harder it is to walk. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're ignorant and you don't know how much you're hurting somebody or, you know, if like how wrong headed your ideas are, or whatever, whatever that your, your, your ignorance is, is regarding the more, you know, the more you learn and the less ignorant you become, the, the, the less things are permitted, you know, like, and, and it becomes this narrow path and, and it gets narrower and narrower the more you, learn the more you discover and it's that's the truth for for the jedi as well it's you know most beings in the galaxy kind of just walk around and they 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 maybe subconsciously understand a connection to the force but consciously they don't know how to listen to it or communicate back to it but a jedi 
can do those things. And like a great Jedi, like Qui-Gon Jinn is very in tune with that sort of thing. And, and you could tell that, you know, Qui-Gon walked that narrow path. Um, and it brought him into Mm -hmm. conflict with the council because he listened to the living force and the council didn't, the council listened to their own egos a lot of the time. And so he had a lot of issues with them because they weren't, listening to the will of the force. They weren't listening to the guidance that was being given by the force and they were ignoring these things because of fear and because of animosity and jealousy and, and all sorts of things. The reasons why they didn't want to train Anakin, um, their own hubris ultimately. Right. And I, that, that idea of the narrow path is really interesting because it, when you start to see to bring it back into this episode, you see a character like Nadar Veb. He doesn't walk the path. That's where he goes astray is that he should know better. He has all of this power and all of this responsibility and yet he wields it recklessly. Right. And so does Kit Fisto. So does Obi-Wan. Uh, and uh, obviously Anakin and Ahsoka. Um, oh, yeah. And, and so does Yoda, even. I think we see throughout the Clone Wars, he wields his power very recklessly. Um, and they don't, they don't listen to the will of the Force. And that's where the Jedi go wrong. And it, yeah. it, we know how that ends. We know where it leads. And... Obviously, Luke Skywalker internalized that, especially when he felt himself going down that. It's so great. He's in that moment. He sees inside Ben's mind and he sees that Snoke has already turned him and that it's too late. And his immediate instinct is to strike down his own nephew. And the way this video is cut is so beautiful because he has that moment of realization and then the, you know, the, the lightsaber ignites. And then he says the words, my sister Leia trusted me with her son. Like, and that like you, I don't know. I, I don't understand how after that sort of a, a beautiful poetic, I, I presentation of that story. Anybody could not understand why Luke turns away from the force because he's walking that narrow path. He falls off of the path. He doesn't just stray from it. He straight up falls off of it for that moment. He pulls himself back, but that's when he says to himself, no longer, I don't want to be on this path. Like I don't, it's too much responsibility. It's too difficult. There's, there are too many things at stake. And, um, you know, he says, you know, that, that the death and ruin at the end of everything that Ben will do. But I think that he ultimately feels that it's what he's doing, right? He is teaching Ben and by teaching Ben, he's allowing this to happen, right? Mm-hmm. By teaching these Jedi, he's allowing the Sith to potentially return and his solution to that problem is to just remove himself from the game. The Jedi have all been extinguished. Uh, He's the last one. When he dies, the Jedi will die and that'll be the end of it. Now, obviously 
the conflict between the light side and the dark side will never end. It'll, it just takes on different forms and the Jedi and Sith rise mm-hmm. in new ways. Right. But you can understand Luke's thinking there. I think like it's, it, it's just, I don't know. I don't understand how somebody couldn't understand. I think that's my thing is like, it's presented so well in the movie itself. And then, and then this video, uh, which I just implore everybody to go check out. I'll, I'll share it on the, the, the rebel cells Facebook page as well, but it just does such a great job. It's just, it just really boils down that concept. And like, look, I'm not saying that you have to agree that that's the right story to tell, but that's the story that was told. And uh, I think that I think that maybe people need to just kind of let go a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, I've been saying that for months and months and months, but <laughs> it's funny. True, I, yeah. It's we we're we're still in the midst of all of this sort of Kelly Marie Tran uh, I business and the 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 real uh, sort of disgusting and uh, gross behavior of some people. Uh, in the so-called in the Star Wars fandom, mm. and and I've been reflecting on it and really thinking about it a lot and trying to figure out like well like you know where is this coming from? Why is this happening now? Uh, why right. wasn't it happening? We talked about it last week. Why didn't it happen in two thousand and eight when mm-hmm. the Clone Wars started? Right? What's going on? And I think I think I understand it. And I think what it is, is that like, again, to, to, to put it in sort of religious terms, um, there's a schism within the identity of the Star Wars fandom. And I'm not trying to say that these people are responsible for that. I think that the schism is there for real fans, not just for... Um, not just between true fans and these um, hate mongers, for lack of mm. a better term, right? Uh, I think that, but to, like, there's a schism between two groups of true fans, and I think that you know when 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 the prequels came out, um, I think it did divide the fandom up to a certain degree. But I think that 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 the the climate at the time, the the political climate, the cultural climate was very different, and and people didn't quite latch the same way that they did with this. It also hadn't been as long. Star Wars hadn't been around as long. I mean, like we are approaching the twentieth anniversary of the Phantom Menace. Crazy. Like, yeah, get right. wrap your head around that. I. Yeah. Uh, that means that there are, you know, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four year olds out there in the world that the Phantom Menace was their first Star Wars and it was the thing that brought them in. And mm-hmm. we talk about that a lot. We talk about that all the time, but it means that those fans who've been around since day one, since 77, they've been at this for over 40 years and their identities are tied up in this franchise in this film series. And it's become 
more than a series of movies and books and comics and video games to them. It is a way of life. It is an identity. It's a religion. It's a straight up religion. It's a, it's a belief structure and it is an ideology. Um, and like any belief structure and ideology, it's, it's flawed. It's open to interpretation and the people Mm -hmm. interpreting it are also flawed. And that leads to schisms. It happens in every religion sooner or later. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and, and why would star Wars be any different? Um, and it's, it's star Wars sets itself apart from some other things. It sets itself apart from the Lord of the Rings or Marvel or DC or star Trek in the sense that that the force and the jedi are very much and the sith are built around religious ideologies intentionally they are an amalgam of those ideologies and um and i think that because of that people have really internalized so I, I, and I say that I'm not saying this from a judgmental place because I internalize it. Right. I mean, like I, I literally live by the, by the, the ideology, what would Obi-Wan Kenobi do? And, you know, I fall short <laughs> of that more often than I live up to it. Um, and Obi-Wan himself falls short, of, falls short of it. But, but it is, that is an ideology that I live my life towards. Now it's an ideology that that's open to interpretation and that, um, it bends with the wind, right? I, I, and I think that that's the best way to live inside an ideology is definitely have a set of morals and a, and and a guiding light um, to live your life by, whether that is a religion or it is, um, you know, a, a scientific belief or it's I I or it's it's following the teachings of a series of films. I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but I think what happens is that culture changes and star Wars is a part of the culture. Unlike other religions, it, it, it's you, but it's, it's just so funny. The parallels because we have, we have traditionalists, we have radicals, we have evangelicals, we have reformists. Yeah. Like there are so many facets to the Star Wars fandom that that directly link up with any major religion, especially like the the, the big three, right? I mean, like you you look at at that and you kind of overlay this, and in the same way that these hate mongering individuals take advantage of the existing and centuries old schism in Christianity in order to bend certain people's ideologies to their will so that they can get what it is thereafter, which in some instances is just more conflict. Um, that's exactly what's happening in, in the star Wars fandom. It's like I said, I'm, I'm reflecting on this stuff, trying to find a solution for myself how yeah. do we deal with it? Like how I, we can't solve this problem and I don't think it's a problem with a solution, but how do we as a community 
in our corner along with the Wampa's Lair and Star Wars Report and I uh, and and um I I you know I uh rebels chatting you know like I I, I everything that that our friends do right mm-hmm. our circle this group that we're a part of and these people that we associate ourselves with how do we make sure that our corner is is cared for <laughs> right and yeah. it's it's yeah. funny because um I literally, I literally referred to it as sort of like a denomination of Star Wars fans. I, I, hmm. to to some friends the other day, and they kind of giggled, and I was like, "Look, this isn't like I'm not joking when I talk about it this way. It literally <laughs> is." And we have within our group, well, like when you're talking about that group that shared a home during Star Wars Celebration in 2015. We have our own denomination of Star Wars and we don't necessarily all agree with each other, but we definitely have formed um, a family around our shared love of Star Wars Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that love of Star Wars extends to each other. Right. Like it, it then, you know, like, like when I say family, like Matt, like you are family, Carl is family, Jason is family, Kyle is family, Tim is family. Right. I, yeah they say things you say things i say things that we don't agree with each other each other but we still care about each other enough to not allow that to get in the way of those feelings that that should be more important than a movie right um and i uh, for me for where we are for our corner that we have to keep clean i think that that's it like i think that right there is the most important part we love these movies. We love these TV shows. We love the comic books, the video games, everything. Mm-hmm. But what should be more important is how much we care about each other in our corner. And if we take care of that first and then how we feel about the movie second, then you don't have to like solo as much as I do. That's not a big deal. <laughs> right? right. We just have yeah. to care yeah. about each other as much as each other as as one another does right like that's the important part so i don't know if if we are going to continue down this this weird path that star wars is on um post disney which is very much it's it's so funny the parallels it's just so funny and i really i i'm getting all of this out but who I, the person i really want to talk to about this is 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 carl from the wampus layer because he's, <laughs> he's very religious and uh, he, he's I, yeah. I, 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 I don't know what his current title is, but he's been a youth pastor in the past. So was I, right. uh, I really like to talk to Steve Glosson about it as well and sort of like get their input on it. Um, but that's the, that's one of the interesting parts is that Steve, I feel like Steve is part of our family as well, but he's also kind of over in that RFR camp and I don't want to get too much into it, but there's something weird is going on over there and I'm not a part oh, of yeah. it. So I, yeah. I only see uh, from the periphery and like on Twitter and social media. So I don't know what's going on. I don't listen to, to, to rebel force radio anymore. Um, just because there's so much other star Wars stuff and I get, 
I, it's there's echo chamber stuff, right? I get my Star Wars news friends, Star Wars opinions from the people that I already like, right? Like yeah. I listened to to uh, Carl and Jason, I listened to Tim and Kyle, and and we talk, and uh, and and for me that's enough. I don't need to listen to RFR anymore. I don't need to to check out too many other things. I like to check out Steel Wars every once in a while because I like their ideas, and I like to talk to some of the other Star Wars podcasters on Twitter and invite them into our conversations from time to time, like Jonah Marie. Um, but, but I don't know what's going on in our, in the RFR denomination of star Wars fandom, but there's something going on over there and it's, there's a lot of turmoil in that camp as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say as well. There's, there's not a lot of turmoil in our camp, which I'm actually very proud of. I feel like our, our click, our group, our denomination, we're all in fairly good agreement. Um, even if we don't all love the movies to the same degree. I, cause I know like right. Carl loves solo. I think Carl loves solo more than I do. And I love solo quite a bit. Like I love oh, yeah. that movie. He's seen it nine times. I think he's seen it nine times, nine times. <laughs> now were I in his position of free sure. time, I would yeah. probably have seen it nine times by now as well. Um, I, I, I really, really want to get back for that third viewing, <laughs> but yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, he's seen it nine times. I, but he doesn't particularly like the last Jedi and you know, like I'm never going to convince him otherwise. We've had very heated conversations about it, but, but we've all stayed clean in all of this, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think that that is, I think it's very interesting. And I, and I do think it is because, you know, like we've all, we got kind of got like our own thing going on with our podcasts but, um, but we, I think that what is the most important thing to us is that, you know, like we're friends first, we're this star Wars family first. And then whatever you think about the last Jedi and I think about solo and I think about, uh, I, you know, the prequels or the original trilogy or whatever our relationships are to each of the individual movies and different storytelling mediums. Um, it's really not that big of a deal. And I'm going to like, I CC'd you on that video when i posted it i put it in the comment i was like matt you gotta watch this because yeah. yeah. because i, cause I, I think it's important but gotta admit, it was really good yeah. yeah but um i know that it's not necessarily going to convince you one way or the other and i don't need to but like i'm gonna we're gonna continue to have this conversation we're gonna yeah. keep talking about the last jedi i hope forever for eternity and you know like maybe in 10 years you'll you'll have come around to my way of thinking but maybe in 10 years i'll be like you know what the last jedi was garbage and here's why because 10 years down the road another six movies uh, i it it actually set into motion these things that i don't like right um it's star wars is constantly evolving and changing and each new entry into the story connects to and modifies irrevocably the rest of the story. When Darth Maul comes back to life in the Clone Wars, it changes the nature of the Phantom Menace, Attack Mm -hmm. of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. When he returns in Star Wars Rebels, it changes the nature Mm -hmm. of the Clone Wars and where we left that character in that story and look it's been how many weeks now 
I think it's been long enough. When he shows up in Solo, it changes Clone Wars and Rebels irrevocably. That's not a bad thing. And I think people just need to kind of chill out a little bit and let things change. I... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. This is quite the rant I've been on, isn't it? I've been talking for a really long time. You can tell that I've been thinking about this stuff a lot. Yeah, no, definitely. definitely. Um, Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I just want to say to everybody, and this is going to continue, and I think it's going to continue throughout the summer. uh, I just really feel like everybody needs to take a step back Remember why they're in this, and I, I, I'm not. I don't want to diminish these movies because they aren't just movies. And when people say that, I feel like it's disingenuous because Star Wars is not just a series of movies. It's much, much more than that. It's a, it's a part of our culture. It's a, it's our modern mythology. I no different than the Greeks had their heroes and the Romans had theirs and, and, um, you know, the Vikings had theirs and, and, and so on and so forth. I, all over the world, all throughout history, we create these stories in order to speak about truths that are difficult to wrap our heads around. Right. And that are difficult to put into words. And star Wars exists for that reason. And, for my money, it does it better than anybody else. Um, it tackles big ideas. And yeah. that means that whatever the big ideas are of the day, they're going to be in the movies. So that means that right now we're in a really interesting turning point in history. Um, I, these things that people refer to as social justice and, you know, the, the PC stuff and all that, um, Mm -hmm. these ideas of, of equality between men and women. And I, 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 you know, uh, uh, racial equality and, uh, a lot of these ideas that are, these are very big, difficult concepts to discuss. Putting them in star Wars is supposed to make them easier and I feel like it's just so the the topics are so incendiary right now that they can't yeah. help but but catch yeah. fire um, yeah. in reality. And maybe they are a little bit heavy handed, but but maybe that's what we need right now. And if you think that now, look, I know what George Lucas has said. But George Lucas contradicts himself all the time, and I think that he messes with the audience to a certain degree. Um, A New Hope was commentary. It was commentary on the wars of that era. It was commentary on... Um, I mean, like, like you gotta look at Princess Leia and that character and what was going on with the women's uh, uh, movement in 19, in the 1970s and look at how a character like princess leia comes out of that characters like ray and rose and admiral holdo they are the same as they are cut from the same cloth as princess leia they are just for our time now 
Um, yeah. And and one would imagine that 40 years later, we're more prepared to to have more than one female perspective in a Star Wars movie. But apparently that's not the case. Um I think the majority of fans are. I just think that it's this vocal minority. And like I said, these hate mongers that aren't even Star Wars fans. It's just like they're not Star Wars fans in the same way that they're not real, really Christians. Right. Like these people that are are out there um, and they're they're espousing really just hateful rhetoric. Um, And then they're doing it in the name of this thing that other people are associated with. Uh, I don't think that they believe in the core ideals of Star Wars, as funny as it is to say something like that, as uh, any more than they believe in the core ideals of Christianity. They believe in self-preservation and power and oppression, and they're using a thing that other people love in order to spread that message. It's a it's a loudspeaker, right? Right. And so I don't know. I think that as much as as these stories are a voice for these movements, um, these move movements towards equality and um, enlightenment, in my opinion, that's my personal opinion. I mean, like, I think that it's a move in the right direction and I think that they're important characters and that historically they'll be important. No, no different than Princess Leia was or. I, you know, I, other genre characters like Buffy the Vampire Slayer have been, um, in, in moving us towards a more fair and equal culture. Star Wars is going to do that. I think that if you have a problem with that, you need to, you need to really stop, look at yourself and ask why you have a problem with it. Really like, what's your issue? Um, why do you have a problem with equality? (laughs) Why do you not want women to be represented equally? Um, like people want you stand behind. Well, Rose's character isn't a very good character. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I hate to t- break this to you, but if we're just going to go based on the movies, Anakin's character wasn't a really good character either. Uh, his, his, a lot of his moments were really weird. Um, Mm -hmm. and it took a lot of retconning and modification to the story via the Clone Wars, uh, to really rectify that and get it to a point where it's like, okay, when you bring in Ahsoka and you think about what happened with that, and you think about the number of times that Padme almost died during the Clone Wars and everything (laughs) else that happened, you start to understand why Anakin falls in Revenge of the Sith. It's not so quick a turn. It's actually a turn that takes about five or six years to happen from the point when his mother dies to the point that he actually turns. It's like five years. Uh, And it's five years of like these things all, these dominoes all falling in order. Let the story continue to develop because even if you don't like Rose that much right now, I don't know, maybe wait 10 years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It might turn out that Rose is actually one of the greatest characters in star Wars, which like, I personally have no problem with Rose. I mean, I think that she's a little bit cheesy, but yeah, I think that's what a lot of people have too. Yeah. I think, I think that a lot of characters in star Wars are cheesy. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of cheesy stuff. Jeez. We we just talked about a character in this episode, Kit Fisto, whose defining characteristic until this series 
until this episode, his defining characteristic was a nice smile. Right. Right. Green skin, dreadlocks and a nice smile. Uh, (laughs) And then the Clone Wars fleshes him out and not just the Clone Wars. I mean, like one of the reasons why I love Kit Fisto, I love the way that he looked. Um, I loved his action figure. And those are the first two things that keyed me into his character. But then Mm -hmm. um, uh, is it Cloak of Deception? No, I think that's the Yoda one. What's the one with there's a there's a Clone Wars novel with Kit Fisto and Obi-Wan and it's um and and um Alpha is one of the main uh clone is Alpha? Yeah. It's the one that becomes uh Rex. That they sort Rex, of retconned yeah. into Rex, right? That was Alpha. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Is it Alpha? Is an Arc Trooper. I need to check my lore on that one, but, but in any case, that book, um, that really defined my love for that character and that defined the character before Clone Wars did. But, I, but even still like, it's a character that like really didn't have a lot going on. Um, and then Cestus deception. That's what it would Yeah. You got it. Um, he didn't really have a lot going on for him until that book came out. And then all of a sudden it fleshed out that character. And then, uh, and then the clone wars comes out and it fleshes out that character some more. Mace Windu is another great example. Mace Windu in the movies flat as a piece of cardboard, right? Oh yeah. And then Shatterpoint comes out and you're like, no Mace Windu, (laughs) one of the best characters in star Wars. And then his Clone Wars episode comes out, the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars, and you're like, right. that's Vapod at work, right? And you, you put those things together. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, like, don't take any Star Wars character or any moment in Star Wars at face value because Darth Maul sucked. Darth Maul was really cool to look at, and Ray Park did an awesome job with the martial arts, and he made for a really great action figure. But he went out like a punk and was a total waste of a character. And then Dave Filoni resurrected him and then he resurrected him again. And then, uh, John Kasdan fought for that character to be in solo. And now Darth Maul is one of my absolute favorite characters in the star Wars saga. Right. Give us some time and you might come around to some of these characters. Maybe they seem hammy and cheesy at the moment, but uh, I don't know. Sometimes ham and cheese, you put that between some white bread and everybody likes it. You know, it's a nice sandwich. It's a nice sandwich. (laughs) So like Finn is ham, right? He's very hammy. Uh, Rose is very cheesy. Cheesy. And then you got Ray. Ray is totally white bread. Okay. And then uh, you know Oscar Isaac he, he's I wouldn't call him white bread. He's more of like a it's more of like a whole grain or maybe a nice sourdough or something like that, but he's still <laughs> he's a, he's a he's an off wheat white bread. bread. Yeah, he's like a wheat <laughs> bread. You yeah. put those four things together, I don't know about you, but that that sounds like an okay sandwich. I've never <laughs> seen anybody make a sandwich with two different types of bread, but it could hey. work. It could work. It could work. Yeah. The analogy is falling apart, but the point is Throw that some I, pickles in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's that? Uh, I well, I think that if you're gonna go with a pickle, who's the most? Who? Which character in the sequel trilogy most personifies a pickle? I'm gonna go with Hux. 
I really feel like yeah, like that yeah. sour tart, a little bit crunchy. That's a good one. Yeah. Crunchy, but at the same time, weirdly soft. You mm-hmm. know, that's kind of that's a pickle, and that sounds or, like Hux as well. Snoke, but he didn't last very long. <laughs> to be, uh, yeah, he resembles a pickle sort of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know how we ended up where we did, but I'm glad okay. that we did. I. That was, wow, man. Was yeah, a, you know a what? A Star Wars sermon there, but I. Yeah, you you started off with. Um, <laughs> where did I start off? No, you start off with with Yoda, and I think that's a good way to to kind of end this out too. Is um, it kind of he kind of ends this, almost like the fortune cookie. He says, you know, to answer power with power. Uh, the Jedi way, this is not. Um, yeah. In this war, a danger there is of losing who we are. And and you were kind of bringing this all the way back around to the sequel trilogy and The Last Jedi. And I can definitely see, like, Yoda was, was, like, talking like that, you know? How, Crazy. how great of a parallel is that to the current, like I called it earlier, schism in the Star Wars fandom mm-hmm. and what's going on in our community? Um you can't meet power with power. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, it's we, just... we risk losing exactly what it is we're trying to fight for. And, mm-hmm. and star Wars.com posted the, the quote today. Um, Rose's words. I, you know, like that's how we're going to win, not by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. And I think that that is just, I love the last Jedi. I think it's a fantastic movie, and I and and as the months roll on, it just becomes more and more uh, fantastic. And I think that by the time that Episode Nine comes out and just sort of justifies mm-hmm. everything and really wraps yeah. it up, and I have I have complete and utter faith in J.J. Abrams to pull that oh, off. Oh, same here. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah, it is gonna be it is gonna be that perfect. Uh, finale to this story that I think is gonna leave a lot of people going like. Now I understand. I hope that's my hope, mm-hmm. and I think that's all oh, I can yeah. do is just hope, right? Uh, yeah. That that you know, I I with time, everybody will kind of come back to their senses a little bit. But but I do think like that's a, like these these lessons within Star Wars. This is it's this double edged sword. These messages contained within are words to live by. <clears throat> but I think that there's a really important lesson to be learned about not losing your identity inside a belief structure. And I like, like that's, this is, this is true about star Wars. It's true about any major religion. It's true about any set of beliefs or ideologies. You just like, you have to, you have to remember why you come to these conclusions, not just the conclusions themselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's not enough to just say that's the rule and therefore we follow it. You have to you have to remember how you got there and why. And sort of pull yourself back a little bit and mm-hmm. and just remember like 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 remember the lesson and not sort of or maybe even remember the question and not the answer right um mm-hmm. because the answer should be able to change sometimes when it comes yeah. to beliefs and ideologies so so i don't know just don't lose yourself don't lose your identity in something like star wars make it a part of who you are 
but don't make it everything. And I think mm-hmm. that some people they've made it everything. And that's that's the danger is that you lose yourself. And then when you feel like Star Wars is under fire from either side, right? Either you love The Last Jedi and you feel like you have to defend it from these other people or you love the original trilogy and you feel like The Last Jedi is attacking the original trilogy or the prequels or whatever. And you're fighting back against that, these beliefs that you've held that are so tied to your identity. And that's when you get personally offended by a movie. And I don't think that it's it's not healthy. It's not (laughs) that it's good or bad. I just don't think that it's healthy. And I think that some people need to detach a little bit and look at it from a bit more of a stoic objective perspective and then get back into the subjective feeling part of it um, and have a good balance. I think that that's a, that's a key. That's a, that's a Jedi ideology. If ever I balance, right? Yeah. Cool. That or, or Cobra Kai, I don't know. Balance. Cobra Kai, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got We have to talk about that soon on the yeah, Better Black Podcast. We're going to talk yeah. about that in a spoiler cast soon. You, me, and Paul. We're going to talk some Cobra Kai and get, get Cobra people excited Kai. for that. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, cool. I'm going to wrap it up because I keep talking about yeah, this right. all night. But uh, I, next week we've got – a good got, lesson, though. I, I, I hope so. I hope that that, that, yeah. that helps some people deal with – some of the pitfalls of, of the internet these days. Um, but next week we're going to be covering two episodes, uh, cause these oh. two are fairly linked together. Um, and, uh, ho, 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 I'm excited. Introduction of my favorite animated character in the star Wars galaxy. I, uh, here are the next two episodes. Dooku captured, uh, during their own attempt to kidnap Count Dooku, Anakin and Obi-Wan discover that the Sith Lord has already been captured by pirates. And then uh, the <laughs> follow-up to that episode, the Gungan General, while negotiating Count Dooku's ransom, Anakin and Obi-Wan are taken prisoner. The Jedi and Sith form an unlikely alliance in a bid to escape, with Jar Jar Binks as their only hope. And He's back. <laughs> he's back. Yeah. And the introduction yeah. of... My favorite and yours, Hondo Onaka, oh. the leader of the Onaka pirate gang. That's and right. uh, this is our introduction to this character, our first appearance. So excited to talk about Hondo next week. Um, yes. That's exactly it. Not by fighting what we hate, by saving what we love. So next week, let's talk about Hondo Onaka, the character <laughs> that we love. The reason yeah. why Star Wars animation is so good and why Dave Filoni is a genius because of characters, original creations like Hondo Anaka. So look yeah. forward to that next week. But for this week, I think we're all done. I'm all talked yeah. out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you guys you for it. listening. Uh, as always, you can stay up to date with all the Star Wars animation news by heading to rebelcells.com. That is a cell with one L. Uh, and of course you can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rebels podcast, as well as on Twitter at rebels podcast. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at ArkWolf, A R K W U L F. And you can follow Matt at the crankster. That is crankster with a K. Uh, and, uh, and if you want to check out some other great podcasts, you can do that by heading to thunderquack.com to check out everything else in the thunderquack podcast network. And we've got some cool stuff. I mean, like you guys know, Star Wars The Saga continues. Go check it out. Go give Tim and Kyle and Paul some love over there. Uh, 
And uh, uh, if you want to support us, you can do that a couple of ways. First, uh, by heading to store.thunderquack.com, pick up some merch. I'll tell you, I just ordered some stickers because our, our merch store is run through Redbubble. Um, and uh, and Redbubble does sales basically every week. And, and a couple weeks ago, they had a sale on stickers. And uh, it was uh, I buy six and get them for half price. So... I got, I think I got eight in nice. in total, yeah. and uh, and they arrived yesterday, and uh, and I got some new Rebel Cells because previously I had gotten stickers, but they have the Rebels podcast logo on them. Now they say Rebel Cells, and I enhanced that the um the the Phoenix, uh, the Starbird um, uh, logo uh, version, um, from season two of Star Wars Rebels. And, uh, and so I was really excited to get those and the print quality on the stickers is so good. They're almost, they're, they're not actually like, on, they're not on paper. It's like a, it's almost like, I think it's like a, a vinyl sort of mm. thing, but they're like printed in really high fidelity color on this vinyl. But, um, they're just, the quality is so nice on the stickers. So even if you can't afford to buy a t-shirt or, um, or a phone case or something like that. Cause those things are a little bit, they can be a little bit pricey. They're upwards of like 20, $25. Um, the stickers are super affordable. Like even at regular price, the stickers are like two or three bucks. So like get a few and then, uh, the shipping is very minimal. I think it was like $4 or something like that for my shipping. Um, all told, I think I spent like $17 and got like eight stickers. I got a bunch of the new, uh, uh, cartoon afternoon ones as well. The designs that I did for that. Um, and they came out really great and then you put them on whatever you want. So then if you've already got an iPad case or whatever, or, uh, or a cell phone case that you want to put a sticker on, you can do that. Um, and you can get them, you can actually get the stickers printed pretty big too. So, uh, if you wanted to do something bigger, you could do that too. So, um, yeah, go check that out store.thunderquack.com, uh, and, uh, pick up some merch. The other way to support us is by, uh, pledging your support on Patreon, patreon.com slash thunderquack. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to the thunderquack podcast, uh, as well as, uh, the exclusive thunderquack Patreon club uh, on Facebook, um, and, uh, early access to a regularly scheduled. And then, you know, there's other rewards at higher tiers as well, but, um, yeah, everybody who supports us, whether it's a dollar or $5, 10, 20, whatever, um, we really appreciate it. Cause you guys make it possible to continue doing this stuff. Um, we really appreciate your support. So if you want to, if you want to throw in with that, you can do that by heading to, to patreon.com slash thunderquack. Um, and thank you to everybody that's already doing that. Um, that's it. That's it for this episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week with the episodes Dooku captured and the Gungan general. 